trick question to start us off. How many P's are there in prayer? As I was pre- preparing myself for this, I came up with 10. So uh, we're not going to have 10 points, but we will be thinking along these lines. Sometimes it is helpful to alliterate and have points there that are connected in some way to help stick it into to minds. Um, I know the spirit lays upon our hearts that which he would have us take, but it's also helpful to try and structure in such a way that we can try and remember and take these points. So very quickly, just rattle through the 10 that we will uh, touch upon mostly, but not uh, uh, not all of them. In terms of prayer, we must have preparation. There will be praise. There must be a purpose behind it. There will be purity of heart and there will generally be a pattern to prayer. Most importantly, perhaps of all, it is personal. You can also take note of the posture in prayer and there should also be prostration before God. And during the prayer, there there must be calls upon the promises of God and there will generally also be a petition to God. You could probably find more if you uh, if you were so inclined, but uh, that's more than enough to go with. And we will start then with the purpose of prayer. We have a prayer before us here um, from verse 18 in chapter 7 of 2 Samuel. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord and said. And that's Lord, that's David setting himself out in prayer. But the purpose of prayer, what is The purpose of prayer can also be answered by that same question. What is the chief end of man? Chief end of man and the purpose of prayer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So we can understand that when we pray, the purpose should be to glorify God. And if we are praying truly, I'd written as I was writing in my notes, true heart prayer. And prayer is true and of the heart. Otherwise, it is not prayer. So uh, those words are are superfluous, really. But prayer is glorifying to God because it reminds us of a few things. Firstly, it reminds us that we have need of him. We are coming to God because we have need of coming to him. It glorifies God because it reminds us that we have and want communion with him. We want to talk to God, talk with God. As God talks with us, we wish to talk back to him. And again, this in and of itself is an act of worship. Sometimes I think we can get caught up in the in, in, the, in the idea that when... Um, we talk of worship, it's the singing element of it and perhaps the music that accompanies it. Worship includes that, it includes prayer, it includes fellowshipping together, it includes the uh, uh, preparation of our hearts to be right before God. There is so much that is incorporated in worship. Prayer is one act of worship. Again, it is us coming before Almighty God in submission before him. So that's a very brief overview of the purpose of prayer. It is for God's glory and it is for our benefit. But very importantly, 
when we come in prayer, there should be preparation. Now, I know that there are times when we we just call upon the Lord instantly in times of need, in times of emergency, in, in dire situations. If there is time and if there is opportunity, there should be preparation for prayer. And we see this with David. If we look back to verses 1, 2 and 3 of uh, chapter 7. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said unto the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. We find David in this position at the start of chapter 7. When the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest. That the king said unto Nathan. So when, when, when he spoke to Nathan, he spoke what was in his heart and what was in his mind. So he had been thinking about these things. He had been thinking. The Lord had given him rest and he wasn't idle. He wasn't relaxing and chilling out and thinking, I'll just enjoy a few days of peace before I get on with business. He had rest from his uh, uh, military activities and the Lord had given him peace and rest. So he was thinking about the Lord. He was thinking about serving the Lord in a different way. So he was thinking about God. He was thinking about the Lord. And then he started to talk about God and talk about his Lord to Nathan the prophet. Discussing his thoughts and his ideas with another man of God. What a privilege and blessing that is. To have fellowship, someone to talk with and talk to about the things of God. And he used that time wisely and they discussed and he shared his thoughts. So his mind and his heart were on the things of God. I find it interesting to note what Nathan said to the king. He says to him, go, do all that is in thine heart. And why did he say that? For the Lord is with thee. Now, we can see this in two ways. We can take on two levels, rather. Firstly, the Lord is with thee. All who are Christians can say that. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. We have this true, true blessing. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and we are truly blessed at that. But we are God's children. We are saved through Jesus Christ. So the Lord is with us. But David could also say it in a special way or Nathan could say it of David because he knew he was a man of God. He knew that he was a man after God's own heart. So David was known for being a man whom God was with. That's a great testimony to have, isn't it? And that's a great challenge for us. Do people think that of us? Would people say such things of us? So David, in terms of his preparation for prayer, was thinking and talking about the Lord. And does that not set you up for a, a good conversation or a good discussion with God to come before God if you have been thinking about him and talking about him before you enter your quiet place? Nathan said, go and do what's within your heart because the Lord is with you. But then 
the Lord spoke to Nathan and said quite the opposite. I don't want David to build the temple, but tell David this. Share this with David. Tell him this is my plan for him. But then we listen to what the Lord said to to uh, David via Nathan, the prophet. He tells him that I've not asked you to build the temple and you won't be building the temple. Verse eight. Now, therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant, David, thus saith the Lord of hosts. And we hear what the Lord has done for David here. I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. So he's taken him from being a shepherd to being a king. Verse 9. And I was with thee whithersoever thou went. And have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight. And have made thee a great name, like unto the great men that are in the earth. The use of the word there, and, to remind him again, there's not only have I done this, I've done this, and I have done this, and I have done this. Verse 10, moreover, so it carries on, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before times. And then if we move into verse 11. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have ceased. and Sorry, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. So we've got this is what I have done. I have done for you. I have done this for you. And I've done this and I've done this. Excuse me. Moreover and also, he's building and building and building a picture of what he has done for David. And verse 11, also, the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. David wanted to build a house for the Lord and the Lord's telling David, no, I will build you a house. So these following on, this is how God and God spoke back to David via Nathan the prophet. Because David had been thinking and planning and preparing to serve the Lord and the Lord guided him and blessed him with a reminder of what he had done. But as part of the preparation of his prayer, there needs to be a purity. There needs to be a purity of heart. And we see that really as an example from David. David is a man of prayer and he pours forth the purity of his heart often and requests purity in his heart but the first thing to note here as as he does often is he accepted the word of Nathan David wanted to do something and the Lord spoke to him via Nathan and said no you will not do that and immediately David goes into a state of praise and prayer to God so he was right before God and so should we we should accept the teaching of God, however it comes to us through the word. Um, we should accept what God has for us, as David did from both Nathan and from God. There was a purity in his heart as he accepted these things. And perhaps the most uh, famous uh, 
prayer of David is Psalm 51. And we can see much in terms of the purity of his heart in this and his desire to be right with God. Psalm 51 verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Verses 11 and 12. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So he knew he needed to call upon God. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. The joy of his salvation is very abundant and very evident in, in this prayer in um, to Samuel. Verse 15, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. And that again is exactly what we have in um, 2 Samuel. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer upon offer bullocks upon the altar. So David is there at the end saying, Purge us, make me right, and you shall be pleased with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Then the sacrifices that are offered, then the praises and the prayers that are brought before you will be acceptable. If we are broken and we are contrite and we are prepared before God, then you will accept our prayers. So David is positioning himself here with a preparation of heart before he enters to pray. As we said there also at the start, there is uh, oftentimes a pattern to prayer. But all the prayers that we have in the Bible are recorded for our benefit and they help us to glorify God. As we see the examples of how people have prayed and we can also appreciate when these prayers are offered. The attitude of the heart of the person who's offering it. And we can learn from that. We can learn how to pray to God. We can learn not only the words and the themes to use, but also the attitude and preparation to do, to go with it. And this is an encouragement for us. The sure pattern to help us to pray. The Lord's Prayer, perhaps, is the, is the, is the standard, isn't it? The, the, the one that everybody knows as a pattern and a method of prayer. And this is given by the Lord himself. And he says, when ye pray, say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it moves through. But the opening line is perhaps the most important. Our father who art in heaven. Our father. This is a prayer for God's people. And that is exactly what prayer is. It is for God's people. It is not um, a safety net for all and sundry. It is for God's people. And we are reminded of that with those words, our father. Can we say when we pray, our father? 
Are we able to call God our father? Have we been trusting in Jesus Christ? Now, again, another classic prayer that is often quoted uh, and is very helpful also, but is very different in its structure. It is a simple, a simple outpouring of prayer and the publican who beat upon his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, the pattern in that was quite simple. He had a desperate need and he called upon the God who could meet that need, the only one who could meet that need. And so it is, again, we must call upon God if we do not trust in him as our Lord and Saviour and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's different prayers for different situations. And what we see in this prayer, uh, there are two uh, points really to the to the pattern. Um, there are, we've, there is the praise that is throughout, and practically every verse is, is uh, an expression of praise to God, and that praise is based on the promises that God has given. Those promises were given to David. As we've said, David was wanting to build God a temple. And God said, no, I'll build you a temple or a house and your kingdom, as it were, the line will be eternal. So as David prays, he acknowledges God. He acknowledges God in his and his goodness because he recalls what has been said to him by Nathan. And as his prayer opens up in chapter uh, 7, verse 18, he sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? Who am I? Who am I before Almighty God that you have blessed me in such a way? He was looking back at what God had done for him. Who am I that you have brought me from the sheepfold and made me king? Even as king... Who am I before almighty God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Such blessings are upon me. You have promised that my house will be um, blessed. But he starts by acknowledging himself before God. Who am I before Almighty God? And that's a good challenge for us, isn't it? As we come in prayer to realise who we are and who we are coming to. By claiming the promises that God has made, by claiming that he understands and he's looking forward to his house and his kingdom being extended forever, David is claiming the promises that God has made and he is therefore asking according to God's will. If we ask according to his will, he will hear and he will answer our prayers. And then again, it reminds us that we are in tune with God and it shows us that we are with God. It is important then, isn't it, also to note and to learn 
what God has done for us. What God has promised in the scriptures, what God has promised will come to pass, what God has done for us. And to learn from this and to praise God for it. So David is claiming the promises that God has made. Now the great promise that was made in this uh, passage, this is known um, as the Davidic covenant and the covenant that God made with David. And there was no onus on David here at all. This is all from God. I will make your kingdom eternal or the kingdom eternal. And it will come through David's line. And we touched on that with the um, genealogies in, in Matthew's gospel, how David was at the fore of the of the genealogy, uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham and the son of David, or the son of David and the son of Abraham. And we are reminded at the very beginning that this uh, line of Jesus uh, goes back through David. And that is what's being referenced here. David is being promised that he will build the house or God will build the house and it will be through David's line and it will come to Jesus. So then David is full of praise. His heart praises God. The very act of prayer, true prayer, is praising to God. It is acknowledging who God is and we must come before him with praise in our hearts because we have so great a God. We have an almighty God. We have a God who cares for his people. In Psalm 46, we read, The Lord of hosts is with us. 